0: The human body is really an amazing thing. How much time have you really ever thought or how much understanding do you have of how it is we actually grow from being this sort of little little person to being a, a big person? I mean, seriously, if you think about it, how exactly do our arms and legs know when to grow and when to stop? How to do it in sync so you don't end up with like one arm that's a foot longer than the other arm, right? How to coordinate it so you don't see people with like full adult-sized arms but their legs haven't remembered to grow yet. It's kind of an interesting mystery if you ever think about it. And I was having a conversation last Sunday evening about growth plates, and you are like, "Oh yeah, growth plates, growth plates." Yeah, I mean if you're a parent, you know about growth plates because every time your kid does something boneheaded. You take them to the doctor and they x-ray to make sure there's no damage to the growth plate. So you're like, oh, growth plates. And I'm like, I don't actually know what a growth plate is. So I started looking into this whole growing process because I knew that we were thematically talking about growing in the body of Christ and all that. And I'm like, this is a good, good opportunity to do some research. And it turns out that, as I suppose you might imagine, the way the body grows is extremely complex, right? Everything's complex in our bodies. And it starts with signals in our brain, up in our head, that, that tell our pituitary gland to produce human growth hormone. Not the stuff, well, it is the same stuff that athletes use, but that's, this is actually what you're supposed to get in your body. Right? And, uh, and, and then the hormone goes out, and then the parts kind of take over from there. Right? And your bones, they, they receive the signals, they receive the hormone, and they, they start producing uh, cartilage cartilage in the center to thicken them up, and then cartilage at the end of the growth plate. It sort of begins growing outward. It would be sort of creepy if you watched it, I think, in slow-mo. And it starts soft and squishy, and then it hardens up into bone, and just like that, you are bigger than you used to be. And so the short form of it is right that our body grows when our head tells it what to do, and it works as long as the various parts are actually getting what they need to grow, and then when they actually do the stuff they're supposed to do and they actually grow. It only works if all the parts and processes are connected and the body's well-nourished and nothing's been broken or damaged. In the early service, I was kind of looking at our, you know, injured zone over here on the right side of the church where the (laughs) church staff's getting progressively wiped out with foot injuries, uh, you know. Well, it turns out that Scripture has an awful lot to say about human physical growth. That was pretty astonishing, because Paul describes the process very exactly, except that as we look at our adventure of the New Testament church today, he's actually talking about how the church, the body of Christ, grows, not how the physical body grows. But there's a surprising amount of parallelism. And so our passage resumes after last week's discussion of unity, which is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. And Paul writes, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Last week we discussed Paul's urgent appeal for unity in the church, that we glorify God by unity. But I mentioned last week that there can be an asterisk on that, right? We could be united about the wrong thing. So unity we have to be careful with. It has to be surround, focused on the right, higher, common value. And, and today we see it in this passage. It is the building up of the church as the body of Christ. And the resounding message of this passage is that Christ wants his body built. And that should be very encouraging to us. And so as we go deeper this morning, we will see that, in fact, Christ builds his body in a way that's kind of similar to the way the human body is built. And we'll see as we walk through the passage that very specifically Christ gives leaders to build the body, that each part of the body gets built in four dimensions that are in here, and that when each part is working properly, then Christ empowers the body to build itself in love. Paul begins by explaining that Christ gives leaders to build the body. This is an important passage, particularly for those in pastoral ministry. Verses 11 and 12 say, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. I think these are absolutely critical in understanding the structure and the roles within the church, the purpose of pastoral ministry, and they are foundational to my personal philosophy of ministry. And while apostles and prophets, you don't see them very often running around today, there are definitely evangelists and there are definitely pastors, which is what Paul means by shepherds. And there are teachers, which in this context is probably referring to preachers. And Paul tells us that these people, people like Pastor Neil and Pastor Mark and myself, along with ministers around the world. We have actually a couple in our congregation today, and we are privileged to have them with us. Right? That they, around the world and across the ages, have been given to the church for a specific purpose, to equip the saints. That's each of us here. To equip us for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ that Christ wants his body built. And so he has gifted the church with leaders who are to equip the individual members to do the work it takes to build Christ's body. And it's important to really understand that relationship and that essence of who is responsible for what in doing all the work it takes, because it is a big job. So equipping people to do ministry, that is our primary pastoral purpose. And we do it by lots of different things. We do it by preaching. We do it by teaching. We do it by leading in worship. We do it by counseling and mentoring. We do it by creating an environment that equips and grows believers. And we have to get to the essence of these verses, that we as pastors are not the primary doers of ministry. We are here to equip everyone here to do ministry that this ministry has been created specifically for each person here what paul describes in ephesians 2:10 is the good works which god prepared beforehand for each of us and this lays a significant responsibility on every member of every ministerial team in every church across the ages and around the globe Right, that we must be equipping you or we are failing at our primary task. We can be doing lots of other good things, but if we are not equipping, we're not doing the very reason we were set, get, set in place here. Right, and I suspect that Pastor Neil and Pastor Mark can give you testimonies about all the many things that they are asked and expected to do as pastors. But this, stand, this thing here is being identified as the most important thing the thing for which we will be most held accountable by God? Are we equipping you to do ministry, to build up the body of Christ? And that's a genuine and honest question. Because given the stakes involved, if we're not, we need to know. Let us know, because the stakes are high for everyone. But the opposite side of the coin is that doing the work of ministry to build up the body is the work of everyone here. Everyone. So please take advantage of equipping opportunities that are all around you. Seek to grow and learn through Bible studies and from messages. And and really throw yourself into the worship on Sunday morning. I've right? got a whole little rant. I'm not going to go there, right? But one of the problems with, I think, much of American and Western church is an understanding of worship as a noun. You go to experience worship, but worship is a verb. We are here to worship God. And we need to be proactive on that. That's part of how we are equipped. So, I'd urge you to grab those opportunities, to get equipped and do the ministry to which you have been called. And in order to do that, Paul tells us that each part of the body gets built in sort of four dimensions or four aspects that he lists in verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the equipping process begins where we were last Sunday, with unity of the faith. That we must be equipping people with the the common and accurate and yet amazing good news and truth of our faith. That we must be instilling a united faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. As the risen Son of God who is eternal and yet chose some 2,000 years ago to step into this world as a little baby. So he could live and walk and preach and teach and work miracles and ultimately suffer and die on a Roman cross so that our sins could be forgiven. Who when he rose from the dead on the third day and he appeared to first his his inner circle of followers and then to hundreds of witnesses demonstrated that he had conquered sin and death on our behalf. So that all who confess his name and confess those sins, those who call on him as Lord and Savior, will receive forgiveness and everlasting life. That's our good news as pastors, and we are called to help believers come to unity with Christians across the centuries and in every corner of the world on this faith. As we discussed last week, we are also all called to be eager to maintain that unity. Now, equipping and maturing believers with that knowledge of Christ, of of who he is, of what he did, of his power, of why we can trust in him, of his ultimate authority over everything in heaven and earth. That is very central to all of our teaching and preaching here at Lakeridge. It is at the heart of what we do with the adults. It is at the heart of what we do with the youth. It is what we do with the children, all the way down to preschool. Mature manhood which I think we are safe to understand as meaning adulthood here. The ladies, you are not off the hook. Okay, It could be very difficult for us to define, but fortunately, Paul explains it in verse 14. So that we may no longer be children. That is obviously the direct opposite of mature manhood. Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. This is about our anchoring and stability in what we know and why we know it. All right, we've actually been spending a lot of time with the youth on Wednesday nights working on this topic because we are passionate about it. Right, that a mature man or woman of God is one who can withstand the constant barrage of false or semi-true teaching that is out there, that is just intruding on us. TV, radio, Facebook, social me- other social media, various fantastically exciting websites. That they can take it in and they can test it against Scripture and reject the False and identify the true. That's what Paul is talking about, moving away from just whatever sounds good, whatever blows us along, and that sounds great, but that we know what is great. The fourth dimension of equipping is helping us to grow into Christ-likeness. Paul explains that in verse 15. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way, into him who is the head, into Christ. Every way. So let's think on that, right? We are here to help you grow in every way into the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's a lot of ways. And the more we know, we go back to his earlier points, the more we know about Christ, the more we realize how daunting this task is to grow in every way into the likeness of him. It's a challenge, But it's exciting at the same time because Scripture tells us it is possible for us to grow in this way. Will we ever reach there? Not on this side of heaven. But we can grow in this way through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God. Now, I know what people could be thinking, like, Brian, you just gave me another list. This is just on top of that stuff you talked about last week and week and the week before and the week before and the week before and the week before. I can't handle it. But this is not something new. So I want to assure you, individually and collectively, these four things are not new. They are not different from what we have been talking about all the way because they're really just a more detailed expression of the Great Commission. Remember the two elements of the Great Commission, right? We make disciples, that's the mission. How do we make disciples? By baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything Christ commanded. Well, unity in the faith, that's really just, that's what we're doing with baptism. That's about that. It's the process of bringing people into unity of the faith, and then beginning to walk them through genuine discipleship and growth in Christian faith. And then those other dimensions that Paul talks about, teaching the knowledge of Christ, teaching sound doctrines that believers are anchored in their faith, and helping them to grow into Christ's likeness well, These are just teaching to obey everything that he commanded. So what Paul is writing here, what we are called as pastors and as members of the congregation to do, is 100% consistent with the Great Commission. Which is good, because that has to be our mission as a church, as well as the mission of the universal church, to make disciples of all nations. As believers, these four elements, unity in the faith, knowledge of Christ, doctrinal soundness, and Christ-likeness, they're really like a checklist. They're a progress report. They're something we can evaluate against as we examine our spiritual condition and and our walk with Jesus. So I would encourage you to take stock of yourself this morning. In the early service, I gave them permission to kind of zone out a little bit, right? How is your understanding of faith and the commitment to unity? How much do you really know about the life, death, and work of Jesus Christ? How is your knowledge of the great historical orthodox truths that unite us with the body of believers over 2,000 years? Let's be honest about those, and then we'll move on to the hard one. How are you doing at measuring up to Jesus Christ in every possible way? to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Well, that is an impossibly high standard. And yet, it's what we're called to do. And by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, any believer can make progress on this journey through life. right? To become more and more like our Savior until that moment when we are there. Because we see him face to face in heaven. Now, the good news is that when we stumble in this journey, and we will, when we fall short of Christ's likeness, as we will, well, First John 2.1 assures us that Christ will intervene, that God will forgive our shortcomings when we confess them and get back on the journey. So I'd urge you to take an honest inventory this week, and where you fall short, find ways to get equipped And if you need help and guidance on how to do that, well, remember, that's why Christ gave pastors to the church. The lesson for us as a 21st century church is that if we can get these things right, if we can be effective in equipping the whole body to do the work of ministry, and if you get equipped and if you are growing in unity and knowledge of Christ and soundness of doctrine, and Christ's likeness, then amazing things begin to happen around here. Because Paul concludes with this truth. When every part works properly, Christ empowers the body to build itself in love. Verses 15 and 16 conclude, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Just like the human body, if all the parts are connected, if they are all healthy, if they are all working properly, then the head will direct the body to grow, and it will grow itself. But if anything is amiss, if the body is malnourished, if the body isn't really connected, if it's just a, a pile of arms and legs, and over here we got a hand that doesn't want anything to do with the rest of the body, but is confident it can do hand stuff by itself. right? If it's just this loose connection of parts, if it's, or if the parts are connected but they're not working the way they should be, or if they've been damaged badly and are not healing correctly... Well, then both the human body and the body of Christ becomes sick, it becomes weak, it's disabled. Looking briefly at the individual elements of these verses, we see just how strong this analogy is between the human body and how it grows and the body of Christ and how it grows. Because verse 15 is clear. It is imperative that every part of the body, that's you and me, every one of us needs to grow up into the head. That's Christ. If a body is not connected to its head, it's dead. The same is true for a church. If it's not actively connected to Christ at all times, well, then it's really just a social club with no future. Because Christ isn't in it. See, Jesus Christ isn't just our authority. He's not just an interesting guy we read about and talk about. He's alive. He is our power. He is our source. He is our source of life. He is our purpose as a church, and we never, never can afford to lose sight of that, because if we do, we become irrelevant as a church. See, our mission, the one that's been given to us by our head, is to go and make disciples for him, the one who is the head. If we're on point on that mission, we are going to be connected to our head. If we're going in a completely different direction from what the head said to do, we are not connected. The verses say that the parts have to be joined together and held together. That's the call to unity we talked about last week. So I won't go into it in any depth, but notice twice it talks about love. right? Love has to be the basis of our voluntary unity. Then every part has to be working properly. And that's where you and I come in. And that's kind of daunting because I just said you and I and we all kind of have this part. It would be a lot easier if we we're just like, let's sit back and Jesus has this. But that's not what this passage says because it talks about every part. Right? We have to be equipped and we have to be doing ministry, the ministry that we have each individually been given. And your ministry is probably different from my ministry. It's probably different from your ministry. So this is critical. Every person in this room has to be equipped and working, or we are not going to be as healthy as God wants us to be as a church. It's only when these three things are in place, connection to Christ, unity in the body, and every person working properly, that Christ is likely to empower the body to grow, so that it builds itself up in love. And the good news is this is what Christ wants for us. Right? He wants his body to grow, to mature, to spread to every corner of the world making disciples of all nations. And so the question as we prepare to go is this. Are you equipped? Are you ready and able to do your part? And the good news is I want to assure you, you do not have to be perfectly and completely equipped to get started. Right? This is one of the fallacies I hear, I think, particularly in the Western church, this idea that I just need to know a little bit more. I need to be more spiritual. Once I know as much as this other person, I can get started. But that's not how it works. You don't need a seminary degree to do the ministry you have been called to. You do not have to have served X number of years in a church or on a particular set of committees to do the ministry that you have been called to. We do not make you pass a written exam before you do the ministry you have been called to. And in fact, the doing of that ministry is part of the spiral of equipping. You get equipped, you do ministry. The more you do ministry, the better equipped you are. The more equipped you are, the better you do ministry. Right, so you just got to get started in there. And you need to be making progress in those four elements or you can become unbalanced in the way you grow. So if you are not equipped or you are not making progress, what's holding you back? I want you to think that through clearly this week if there is an issue there. If you are equipped or you're getting equipped, are you doing your part? Right, Paul said when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow. And that tells you how important your part is. I don't know what your part is necessarily. You may not feel like it's a very important part, but your part matters. Because every part matters. Just like in the human body, we got lots and lots of parts. We got big parts, we got little parts, we got visible parts, we got invisible parts, but they all matter. And the same is true in the body of Christ. One of the blessings of being equipped and really doing your work of ministry is that you have a good, clear sense of your purpose, a good understanding of your role in God's big picture, and that is tremendously encouraging. Right, when you are in the right ministry, the one that God is calling you to, that you know it, and it is hugely, hugely encouraging. So are you working properly? as a part of the body of Christ. Are you serving in the way that God has called you? And if you're not serving, or if you're serving in a different way, and you realize, I'm not doing the thing God's calling me to do, then we need you as a body. The body of Christ needs you to be healthy and strong in serving our head, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who gives the growth because he wants his body to grow please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words of encouragement and these words of challenge. Lord, help us to each step up and get equipped in the ways we need. Help us to be faithful in the ministry to which you have called each one of us. Lord, help us to do it in unity and maturity For your glory always with Christ as our head. And it's in his powerful name that we pray. Amen. The call today is to grow. To grow into the head of the church, into Jesus Christ. So if you have not yet trusted him as your personal Lord and Savior, I would urge you to make that decision because that is is the first step. He is indeed the head of our church, and I see his mighty hand at work here. And that hand is holding out an offer of grace and forgiveness for your sins. right? An offer that you just need to accept by confessing your sins and turning to Him and following Him as Lord and Savior. So if you are ready to make that decision or if you have made it in recent days, then we would urge you to come forward as we sing so we can pray together and rejoice together. If you've been coming to Lake Ridge Baptist for a while, but you're not yet a member here, then I'd invite you to become a formal part of this body of believers as we set out to do the mission that Christ gave us in our community. And for everyone here, I would ask that you pray for clarity and insight from the Lord, not just today, but all week long, to inventory your spiritual life. Are you growing and being equipped? for the mission. Ask the Lord to reveal you not only the areas you're doing well, but the areas where you need more equipping, more growth, and more doing. And then seek those out within the church.